Back for part two which co with Coach Mark Klingsborn from Tartan. We're going to just dive right into X's and O's type stuff. So, Coach, uh, practice planning, what do your practices look like? Well, first of all, um, you know, the most important word in any practice, I think, is tempo. Uh, your practice tempo has to be, um, you know, worked into what, whatever plan, whatever th you're thinking about doing that day. You know, your tempo is the most important thing. I once heard Bobby Knight say this, and I think this is very true. I really do believe in this still to this day, that your practices have to be tougher in your games. So when you get to the games, they don't seem like such a big obstacle um, to overcome. So our practices are, are tough. You know, we, you know, we, you know, the tempo, you know, we go from one drill to the next. The expectations of, of what we're trying to do uh, is, is, is really important to kids' effort and attitude uh, in regards to how they, they go through every drill and every rep that we do are really important. Um, communicating, the talk part of it, you know, being important, you know, your enthusiasm for your teammates. You know, how do you congratulate a teammate? Like, and I'm sure a lot of coaches do this, you know, kid dives on the floor. We have, we have an expectation. You dive on the, on the floor for a ball. You know, like once in a while, I'll just take the ball and throw it on the floor and the kids will all call loose and dive for the ball. Um, and then our other expectation is the kids on the floor, you go pick them up. You pick your teammate up. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into, you know, your practices being important. Number one is temple. Number two is your attitude about how you're, you know, how you're going about your uh, actual practice and, and how you're treating your teammates during the whole thing. The things that you want to get out of your team and, and see during the games, you got to see that in practices uh, every day. So, you know, I would say that our practices are very up-tempo. I would say that our practices are centered on, you know, that team, that togetherness, you know, that, uh, you know, that helping each other out. Um, but I also think, you know, like what we do within our practices um, kind of dictates, is dictated a little bit by our kids, right? Um, people always say that we're a defensive-minded program. I don't think we're a defensive-minded program at all. I think we're a play-hard-minded program. And I think that results in kids, you know, that's the first element to playing defense. You got to be able to play hard. So it looks like we're that way. Well, we actually spend a lot more time on offense than we do on defensive stuff. Uh, we do a lot of skill work in season um, uh, based on the fact the type of kids that we're getting um, – uh, a couple of years ago, I did a little research on this. We had one eighth grade team, and I think seven, 10 kids, I think seven of those 10 kids, or six or seven of those 10 kids came to Tartan. Eastridge had five eighth grade teams and 48 kids playing traveling basketball. So a lot of times what we deal with is kids that, you know, whose parents couldn't afford to play traveling basketball or thought it had some negative connotation to it, you know, that they're traveling all over the Midwest to play. Um, so we have a lot of kids that don't play traveling basketball. But when they get to high school in ninth grade, the bell goes off. They can walk down the hallway and have their shoes on at five minutes and in the gym. You know, you get a lot of kids that, that try out in ninth grade. We typically have, you know, 35 to 50 kids that try out for ninth grade basketball. Um, along with that, we have kids that are, that haven't probably got the proper skill work up until that point. Not only have they not played traveling, but they haven't been able to afford personal trainers uh, to go to different camps and do skill work within those two things. So, you know, we have some catching up to do with our kids skill-wise. Um, so our practices have a lot of skill work, uh, a lot of shooting and ball handling involved in it, a lot of individual footwork 
Um, and that's where that Bill Fetch takes care of that. So we'll always start out every practice with, you know, some good individual work. And that's kind of dictated by, you know, by the, the clientele, the personnel that we have. And, and we need to do that. Otherwise, we don't get enough of that. Even though you want your kids to be doing stuff in the offseason, I think our kids do a pretty good job of that. We still feel like our kids are behind a little bit skill-wise, so we have that element in our practice also. So, I think your practices have to be uh, have to be built around, you know, the type of kids you have, where the skill set is, you know, what you want to get out of them, um, and I think that's design. You know, your team design is that way too. How long do you go, or what's the duration of your practices? Tryout week versus January versus playoffs are in two weeks. Well, you know, we're limited again. I, I mentioned that in the, the prior uh, the prior episode that that uh, our practice facilities are not great. Um, game facility, we got a great one, we're, but we're limited to a two hour block um, of practice every day, and and we're going at it. We'll do some two a days early in the year, especially during tryouts and stuff. Um, but for us to get kids to uh, to show up in the morning is also a challenge too, because we don't have a lot of kids that have the ability to drive and, and get there or parents get them up there in the morning. So we face that challenge a little bit too. So, you know, we'll do two days, uh, we'll do two a days for tryouts. The first two days, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, then we make our team. And then, um, anytime that we have a day that's like an off school day, like an MLK or a president's day or like Thanksgiving Friday or whatever, when we have a day, we'll go an out, we'll go a longer block. We could go up to uh, three hours. We could have up to three hours planned. Um, but we may spend a half hour of that, you know, shooting free throws, you know, a chance for us to get in the gym and get in the gym by ourselves. The other thing we never do is we never get on our main floor. Rarely do we get on our main floor. Uh, we're always practicing on a side, uh, a side gymnasium. So, you know, as the season goes on, you know, so we take uh, advantage of every opportunity we can to get in there a little bit longer. Um, we do not go on Saturdays, um, but we do have a lot of Saturday activities as far as games and youth tournaments that we run as fundraisers and, you know, morning JV, B-Squad games. You know, so we, it seems like we have some going on almost every Saturday anyways but we don't have regular Saturday practices. Um, and as the season goes on, you taper, you know, we all know that we do that a little bit as the season goes on, we may have the kids still in the gym for two hours. Um, but it might be a little bit more of a walkthrough for an opponent might be again, shooting more, you know, getting more shots up, uh, might be again, getting more free throws up, but we'll taper as the year goes on in regards to the intensity of the practice to try to get our kids legs back a little bit as we approach section play. Individual skills, small side of games, five on oh, five on five. How do you, or what is in a, in a normal practice, how much time are you doing with some two on two, three on three, four on four stuff versus five on oh install versus five on five? Well, you know, it's that whole, that's that old school thought, a whole part whole, right? So, you know, you're, you're kind of introducing your guys to here's what we're doing, right, with this. You know, you kind of teach the whole part, the whole thing first, and then you break it down in parts. Uh, whatever that means for whatever you're trying to teach, whether it's an offensive or defensive concept, um, you know, you kind of break those parts down and you start bringing them back together. And, and some of those things will include those small sided games at two on two, three on three, four on four, you know, some disadvantaged things, you know, where you're going five on fours. You know, I heard uh, uh, somebody say they did nine on five. I forgot. Who, oh, uh, I forgot who that was. They said it was nine Fadness, wasn't it? I think it was Fadness at Austin, wasn't it? 
No, I, I don't think it was Fadness. I think it was uh, – Oh, uh, Omar at Richfield. Omar. It was Omar, yes. Yep. Hey, by the way, that Omar McMillan guy is the most uh, – uh, the most um, professional – greatest guys walk in the face of the earth that you can possibly imagine. They were in our league and, um, and, uh, and then when they kind of left our league, we've been playing them in non-conference first game of the year, every year. And somebody says, well, why do you play those guys? And I said, because I love Omar and he, he does it the right way. And, uh, I've seen guys that, um, you know, he, he'll have a couple of, he had a couple of rough seasons there where he won three, four games and, and then I go watch a 20-win team, and I know that he was doing a better job winning three, four games. So uh, Omar did nine on five. I did that. That's we haven't gone quite that far with nine on five, but we've done <laughs> seven on five. We'll call it seven on five. We'll call it chaos, where we're just like you know. I think we've got as many as eight in, but never nine. So I'm gonna ask have to ask him how that goes. But we'll do you know some advantage disadvantage thing drills uh you know and then kind of bring it all together so you know doing that whole the old school whole part whole thing um you know you always find things that you do as a coach through the years you know that you like and you adapt you know you change some things i'm still using to still press offense that my high school coach taught you know because i think it's the best one i've ever seen and um if i'm not gonna if i don't need to change it i'm not going to change it um, you know, sometimes change to change is not good. Uh, you know, you have to figure out what, what fits you as a coach. So, you know, that's what a typical practice looks for us. You know, we'll kind of break it down to some that, that do some five on O stuff, teach the whole thing, do some five on O, break it down into individual drills, break it down to some, and kind of build it up there from two on two, three on three, and then eventually back to where you're at five on five. So you mentioned that you are a play hard minded program, but everyone I talk to talks about how great of a defensive coach you are and how great of a defensive team that Tartan is year in and year out. So what is your defensive philosophy? Well, we got five, you know, there's five things that we think are important. Um, and you have to have, these are five elements. I just asked my assistant coaches this question the other day and we were kind of talking about it through text. You know, five things that I think that, I think is important. First one, first one is tough. You have to have a toughness mindset, right? Um, a toughness mindset. And I think that does have to come from your head coach. You know, I watch different head coaches and, you know, you can watch their team play and you know right away um, what that person is like, what the coach is like as a person. Um, uh, and what's important to him. So, like, I think that toughness mindset, and I think that's the one thing that I probably pass on to my guys. Just as a player myself, I had to be that way in order to play successfully. Um, so that toughness mindset, I think, defensively is number one. Number two is ball pressure. Um, I would say ball pressure is the doctor for everything on defense. Um, it's our doctor. It's our medicine. Um, you know, I think ball pressure is, is, is so important. Uh, in, in the game of basketball, just making the other guy, the guy with the ball in his hand feel uncomfortable. Um, it's not stealing the ball from them. In fact, one of the things that we got to work on is we probably, you know, foul a little too much. Um, I heard Omar again say, what's the most important part of your element to your press? Don't foul, right? <laughs> so I think we foul, you know, a little too much, uh, a little too much for me. But, you know, sometimes you have to give that, um, you have to give and take that a little bit. But we're really trying to, you know, emphasize ball pressure. 
uh, it's kind of funny in the summertime, you know, we'll say, we'll say that, um, you know, we want you to ball pressure up at the expense of getting beat off the bounce because we want our kids to get challenged and get better. So we say in the summer, you're going to ball pressure up at the expense of getting beat off the bounce. Cause we want kids to be challenged in their defensive stance. Um, a few years ago, I, I, I had a coach who coached against them in a, in a summer event, young guy in his first year. And he says, Hey coach, can you, uh, can I pick your mind after the game a little bit? And I said, absolutely. Um, and uh, so game's done. We're playing game's done. We sit down and find a place to talk in the corner. And he had played two, three zone the whole game. And uh, he says, okay, tell me what you think. I said, well, how candid do you want me to be? And he goes, I want you to tell me exactly what you think. I said, okay, so why were you playing a two, three zone? He goes, well, our kids, I just don't think they're going to be very good defensively. I said, what better time to get them better is in the summertime. Get them up there and get them in their stance and get them to slide, get them to do some things, challenge those guys defensively. So uh, ball pressure out of season is at the expense of giving up dribble penetration. In season, in season, ball pressure is at the expense of not getting beat off of dribble penetration. So um, we're trying to make sure that we can ball pressure to the point that we don't get beat off the bounce and have to have to help on that. So ball pressure is number two. Number three is, you know, obviously our off-ball positioning. You know, there's two different ways you play defense. Either you're on the ball or you're off the ball. And your positioning off the ball kind of takes care of a lot of the different things that you need to cover uh, defensively, uh, screening actions, you know, just different actions that the team – and if you're in the right spot defensively, you're not going to be screened very easily. Um, we had a guy named Eric Crawford, who's now a coach at UNI. I literally, um, best, best defensive player I've ever coached, but I think because he's so great defensively, his IQ was so high. Um, he just was like almost unscreenable. And then Greg McDermott, who's now the coach at Creighton, I had told him that when he was recruiting him, he was a head coach at UNI at the time. Uh, I was down at a Creighton practice here about four or five years ago. And he says, Hey, by the way, you were right about Crawford. I said, what's that? He goes, I don't think that guy ever got screened playing for us either. So your positioning off the ball is, is, is so important um, to make sure you're in a proper help position, but more, not so much just the help part of it, but being able to defend actions and screens that are coming at you. Uh, the fourth element is talk, you know, where, you know, and I'm always looking for help on that, you know, because I think it's one of the elements um, uh, that all of us as coaches wish our kids would do more is talk. Um, so anybody out there that's got some great drills or great ideas on how you improve talk, I'm always looking to, to, uh, improve on that. But, you know, we think talk's important. Obviously you're engaged more and then you're connected more. You're engaged more in your defensive play and then you're connected with your teammates more when you're talking. And then the last thing you got to be able to do is finish the possession with a rebound. There isn't anything more disgusting than busting your tail defensively. And, you know, really giving great effort down in the stance, you know, working hard, shot goes up, and then some guy turns and looks at it and as, as his guy runs off his shoulder and gets an offensive rebound. So, you know, finishing that possession is important because it's, it's, it's a little deflating to a defensive a team defensively if you have to then you give up an offensive rebound and you got to line up and do it again. So I think it's a mindset, too, thing that you got to rebound the ball the right way. So... You know, those are kind of the five things that we talk about. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to try to fool you. You know, zone is a, 
is a kind of a dirty four letter word in our program. And I don't mean to say that in a negative way, you know, I'm just, that just doesn't fit my personality and what we're trying to do with our kids. Um, you know, there's two different kinds of things that you can do as a program. You can either be a surprise and change program or you can be a system program. And I think surprise and change is those teams that play. And I tell my kids this all the time. Somebody plays, you know, five, six different defenses. I say, guys, that just means they're not very good at any one of them. They're just trying to get you off, off balance offensively by changing defense. They're trying to get you off balance. So the most important things you do is identify you know, their changes in defenses. Um, and when I scout, that's one of the things, that's the only thing I really scout defensively on the other team is, you know, what's their base? How are they changing? When are they changing? How are they, you know, what type of defense they're running? So like our day before in practice, we can, um, we can kind of go through that, you know, in, in, in some game prep the day before. But I kind of think that you need to be, you know, you need to have something, you know, that you kind of hang your hat on. And I'd rather be really good at one thing kind of do five, six things half-hearted. So it's that whole system versus surprise and change. And in high school basketball, I think you can still do that. Um, I think offense is dictated by talent. I think defense is dictated by, you know, your character as a, as a coach. So I think those things are important. Um, Will, uh, the other thing I was going to mention about it is this, is that we're a team, you know, sometimes people think that we're a team that presses a lot. We don't press a lot. You know, I, I think you're not going to beat teams that are really good by pressing um, you may beat some teams that are average to below average teams because you can turn them over, but in the long run, you're not going to turn teams over to have a good teams. And I always say that we want to win at every level. I want to win, you know, when my talent is better than your talent, we better win hundred percent of those games. Otherwise they need to replace me. If my talent's the same as yours, I want to win 90 to 95% of those games because we're, we're performing better. And if your talent's better than mine, I still want to win about 40 to 50% of those games because, again, our togetherness and the way we play together is going to outperform your individual talent. So, you know, defensively, I think if you're in high school, you know, if you're playing at a good 4A level, you know, you're not just going to turn people over. So we do press, though, but we press with these three things in mind. Um, at times, we'll press. Uh, one, I always say we got to cut off the snakehead. Um uh, that's the point guard. We're going to try to make it tough on your point guard. Um, years ago, well, the first year we went to state term in 1998, they had a guy named Mike Bauer that we all, most of us remember, played for the University of Minnesota. Uh, they won our conference. Hastings won our conference. And uh, um, they beat us by, uh, they beat us in overtime, and they beat us by one. So they basically beat us by two possessions. I told our guys, we only have to clean up two possessions and we'll beat these guys. Played them in the section finals and won by 18. Um, the newspaper, the media guy asked me afterwards, like, God, so-and-so did a great job covering Bauer. And I said, and then I brought up my point guard. I said, yeah, Rob Foster covered the crap out of him. And he said, Rob Foster never covered him. He's your point guard. I go, yeah, he's the reason why we won the game because he could apply so much ball pressure in a full court setting, you know, we kind of cut off their snake head. And then, you know, so that kind of leads into the second thing we're trying to do, and that's disrupt offensive timing. Um, I think that's so important. If you watch college basketball, you know, and they, they press, they're just trying to take time off the, the shot clock is all they're trying to do. They're trying to, limit, they're trying to limit one or two more ball reversals and take time off the shot clock. In high school basketball, for us, it's disrupt offensive timing. Um, we're just going to make you feel comfortable with the timing. We're going to make you catch the ball out a little bit further than you want. 
which makes a post entry or any kind of a penetrating pass a little bit longer, which makes it easier for our guys on the backside to respond to that. So we're trying to disrupt offensive timing, and we're up, the third part of that is we're also trying to wear opponents out, uh, wear opponents down mentally uh, by pressing a little bit. So, you know, we don't press necessarily to turn people over. I'm going to pick on Hastings a little bit. Again, they, they kind of re-entered our conference, and Coach Fike down at Hastings is a phenomenal coach. Um, and he runs a ton of set stuff. Uh, when they came back into our league, he had four kids that were three-year starters, and they were good. And the first time we played them, I made this huge coaching mistake in that we were going to have all their sets down, and we were going to work all on them. And we spent so much time on that stuff that it was just too much. And we ended up losing by one on an end-out-of-bounds play with 15 seconds left. Um, so the second time we played them, we just said, the heck with that. We're going full court, man. And we're going to be disruptive as we can and try to take away their offensive timing. We're not going to be able to defend all their sets, but we're going to try to disrupt as many as we can. We end up winning the game by 25. So, you know, certain teams will press up on. And the biggest reason we do that is to disrupt timing. So those are kind of the things that we look for in our, in our defensive play and then some things that we do with our full court stuff. Uh, great stuff. I mean, I have a ton of notes right now. And we're a press team too, so I like those simplifying that in three bullet points. And then also your defensive five. That's really good stuff. So for any coach, um, you might want to hit rewind and write those down. Coach Klingspar has been doing this for a long time, uh, and he's as good of a defensive coach as there is. I think you hit a, a really important point, and, and we'll talk offense here in a few minutes. But teams, and we say that to our guys too, but teams going to run, if teams going to run four different defenses, that's because, like, like you said, they're not very good at any of them. And I'm sure – uh, you know, that coach that was running 2-3 zone in the summer, uh, we've never been a zone team. But for any coach from, you know, I've done this for seven years, way less than you have. My advice, if you want to be a zone team, you got to be really good at man-to-man defense. Because if right. you're running zone to hide your guys, you're going to be a bad zone team too. It's the teams Absolutely. like Cambridge, who we say, who have Coach Baum and Coach McDonald, who are great, right? They've won hundreds of games combined. Coach Ferrano, 50, 60 years together. Now Coach Baum, and I know, is stepping down his assistant role. They run matchup zone. But they're, they could run a good man defense. They just run yes. matchup zone because that's their style, and I think that's a huge thing. Um, I also like the uh, disrupting uh, opponents, that second bullet point you mentioned on the press, and that's what we're trying to do. Where we've gotten into trouble as a press program, and we don't play as good of a team that you do. We don't play East Ridge and Creighton Durham Halls during the season like you guys see. Um, you know, we play good teams, but our, our deal is we want teams to force, ideally, a quick mid-range jump shot, uh, and that's where we have a lot of success. That team, you know, speed them up, they, they shoot a crappy shot mm-hmm. early, then we go back and run the other way. Where we get into trouble is our guys want to steal everything. Right? So now you're jumping a pass, now you're going back five on four, and when you're seeing the scholarship-level kids that you guys see day in and day out, or night in and night out in your league and in your section, you're going to get torched by that. So I thought those were two really cool uh, or really beneficial things that I wrote down. Uh, last thing here, or two more things defensively, because a question just came in on social media here. But first, how do you rep your defense? I know you talked four-man shell in, at the end of part one. How do you rep your defense uh, and really being so detail-based while also keeping your players engaged? Well, you know, it's first of all how you break it down in practice. Um, you know, we're doing – we try to do these things daily, right? We try to do some type of defensive footwork drill. Um, some type of defensive footwork drill. Get your kid in a stance and, you know, work on something. And it could be – you know, a foot fire drill. It could be, you know, just some 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 shuffle drills. It could be an angle that you're taking from a, a wing drive, but uh, could just be some one-on-one. 
uh, from different spots. It could be an advantage, disadvantage thing we give to the offensive player, but you got to do something with your defensive footwork every day. Uh, second thing is we're going to do, we're going to defend um, some type of action, minimum some type of an action once a day. And usually it's more than that. Early in the season, it's more than that. Um, you know, so we're defending, you know, all the different actions and all the different screens that we're going to face, you know, like a, you know, not many people do this anymore, but a post to post cross screen down screen, right? You know, that little triangle look, you know, how do you defend yep. that? You know, a flex, how do you defend that? A staggered, a staggered baseline, how do you defend that? Um, a staggered down from the top, you know, how you defend it? How you defend an elevator screen? You know, all those different things need to be defended in actions. You know, like a back cut action. How are you defending a back cut action? Um, you know, so there's lots of different things that you need to do. So we're defending actions and screen situations is the next part of our practice. So it's defensive footwork, actions, uh, and screen situation is number two. Number three is we'll do some type of shell work. Uh, and usually that shell work that day involves those actions that or those 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 uh, screens that we just worked on. So that's the third part, putting those actions and screens in the shell work, which is three. Um, <clears throat> number four, number four is try to get some kids to do an advantage disadvantage. Like we might do a five on four defensive drill. We might do a uh, four on two, four on four transition where um you know where we're putting it uh the transition defenders at a disadvantage um everybody kind of does that drill um or, or drill similar to that um we're trying to we're trying to put them into some type of five on four a four on four change where we drop the ball and everybody's got to go rotate to a new guy so we're trying to do some disadvantage things for the defense um you know then we also got we're always throwing in a defensive rebounding drill that's part of a daily thing, a defensive rebounding drill. And then obviously five-on-five five play where we make them somehow competitive in a half-court setting. So kind of break it down, you know, that way. Um, I think you have to make sure that you have all those elements in your practice and built into your practice somehow. Awesome. And the last defensive question, ball screen D. A lot of teams are running either the Euro ball screen continuity or they're running high spread ball screen type stuff. So I know I'm sure that fits into one of your actions that you break down in practice. What yep. is your – uh, ball screen defense philosophy? Well, um, our ball screen defensive philosophy is, is this, is that first of all, you better work on it because everybody's using it now. Um, Ten years ago, we didn't have to work, work on it very much. Now it's probably our most prevalent screen action that we have to cover um, is, is a ball screen. So you better put time and invest time into working on it. Um, and then you have to, you know, you have to have, I think, different ways to defend a ball screen. And it has to fit not only your kids, but it has to fit your opponent because we may play one opponent that does not shoot behind a ball screen, so we'll go two under. And then we'll play another opponent that maybe, um, you know, they maybe not as good to handle the ball where we might trap it. Uh, some people call it blitz it, I guess. Um, we call it something else. Um, and, uh, and then within a game, you might, you know, you might change that within a, within the game, you may be, you may be trapping one guy and going two under on another guy. So I, I think it's dictated by your opponent too, a little bit, but you have to have different ways to defend ball screens. So we've got, you know, like probably most everybody has got some kind of a trap in on it. We'll, you know, we prefer to be aggressive and trap. But again, that kind of goes back into that full court philosophy. You're just not going to turn good players over. 
we're not going to trap Trey Holloman from Crete and turn him over. He's too good with the ball. Um, we're going to play him a different way, but we're not going to trap him. Um, uh, so um, there's, you know, that's kind of dictated by personnel too. So, you know, we'll trap. Um, we'll, a lot of people like to ice it and, 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 and send it towards the baseline, obviously. We don't do that one. Um, I think that's a little too complicated for kids. We'll flat call it where we, um, you know, where the guy covering the screener is responsible for, for uh, the drive and a guy getting screens responsible for coming over and challenging the shots. So we'll flat call that, which seems to be a common way that a lot of people are playing in. It. It's a pretty effective way. Uh, we added something in last year where we just won under it, where the guy that was screening just jumped way off his guy and, and we allowed that guy to go one under, whether two under. And sometimes we'll go two under where we chest up on the screener uh, with the guy covering the screener and, uh, and our guy will go underneath both players. So uh, we usually do, and we'll, and we'll switch it sometimes too. Uh, sometimes we'll, you know, if we have a, a team that's capable of doing that or two players that are capable of doing that, we'll switch. A few years ago, we played, um, we played uh, Henry Sibley when Tom Dasovich was coaching there. And they had uh, Mike Bruschwitz and uh, Halverson. And they also had Jake Cruiser. They looked like an airport, you know, a college team coming into the gymnasium. They were so big. <laughs> Our biggest kid was 6'3". This was my son's junior year. I had Mark Sonnen on that team, too, uh, who now play, played at UNI. Now coaches there. Our biggest kid we had was 6'3". Um, and they played us during the season. They high-load us. We had no chance. We literally had no chance. And uh, we tried about every possible thing we could to defend a high-low. And we've got about three, four different things we can do with that. But not many teams do that anymore, so we don't have to practice it that much. We couldn't defend it. Well, then during section play, they went to ball screen stuff. Uh, and he wanted the ball. And I get what Tom was doing. He wanted the ball in his two best players' hands. So they were doing ball screens with Bruschwitz and, and, and Halverson. But we just switched them. Because we had our two six three kids, our two best defenders that were six three on those guys, and we just switched everyone, so they never got anything out of their ball screen action. We ended up; uh, <laughs> it was like a minute left in the game. The score was thirty three thirty two in a section championship game. Um, so we put ourselves in a position to win um, because that was the best thing to do against those guys and what they were doing at the time. So you have to, you know, your scouting report will kind of dictate a little bit what you're doing with your ball screen action do but you better have you better practice it you better rep it and you better um and you better have different ways of playing what i like hearing from you as someone that's done this a long way or done this a long time is that you're willing to change things up within a season and i think sometimes young coaches uh coaches have been there for 10 12 years veteran coaches get really stuck in doing things a certain way and i just love hearing the adjustments that you've made over the course of a career, but also the course of a season against the same team um, from switching ball screens to two under to blitzing. Um, I would agree too that I think icing is really tough at the high school level. Yep. We do a lot of high ball screen stuff. And when teams try to ice, I just kind of smirk. It's like, there's no way you're running this like the 1990 or 2014 Chicago Bulls. Um, you just, you don't have the personnel to do that. And so yep. I think that's a challenging coverage uh, to run at the defensive level or at the high school level. Sorry. Well, it's hard to ice from, it's hard to ice a ball screen when it's up front. Yep. You know, yep. it's, it's easier to do those things when they're like a side ball, like a side ball continuity. But, boy, those ones up front, I, I, that's why I don't do it is because I don't want my kids to be confused about the difference between playing it up front with a high ball screen versus a side ball screen. 
for sure. Uh, we'll get an offense here. I know you talked about um, your assistant coach runs the offense. And so what was that system that he wanted to put in? And then I know you give your guys a lot of freedom. So talk about uh, both of those things. Well, first of all, I'll talk about the freedom part. You know, again, a lot of people will say, you know, that we're a defensive minded team. Um, but I think your skill set is what dictates how good you are offensively. So those are things that need to be done both in season and out of season to improve your kids' skill sets, right? You know, I, I was a pretty dang good offensive coach when I had Jake Sullivan playing for me, right? When we needed a basket, <laughs> he would get the ball at the point guard. We'd, throw, we'd run a red call, and it was pretty simple. We'd throw the ball to the wing, come off a UCLA screen, and sit in the post. We'd throw it in him. He'd turn and score. Best post offensive player I've ever had, Jake Sullivan, my guard. So. Yeah, I, and I turn and go, like, God, I can coach the hell out of this game, can't I? So, um, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you know you're obviously your players are going to make you a better offensive team. Uh, so I do think there's a difference between what you can do offensively and defensively. Um, so you got, I think, number one, offensively, you need to have, you know, be working on that skill set to get that better. And then, you know, I try to empower those guys. I always tell my kids, I'll point to the offensive half, and I go, I go you guys got that half. And I'll point to the defensive half, and I'll say, I got this half. But if you don't play this half on, on my end, you're not going to get to play on that end. You know, I'm not going to say a whole lot during a game about shot selection and, you know, and offensive stuff. Um, try to empower the kids to be good offensive players. Uh, when a shot goes up, I don't want – I want it to go in just like they do, right? Um, how many times have we said, no, 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 good shot, right? right. Um, you know, so we <laughs> want the ball to always go into basket. So you try to keep your mouth shut a little bit about that. And let and empower the kids, but I always say I got the defensive half, the last thirty seconds of the first half, and the last three minutes of the game. Those are mine. You know, I'm going to kind of control that on offense a little bit, depending upon score and situation and and stuff like that. So, um, got just gotta gotta take care of. But at the same time, you're not allowing your kids just to run crazy and take crazy shots. Um, Anybody that says they're empowering their kids to play loose and they want them to know that they're just going to be allowed to play with the freedom that they want to play with, they're just fooling themselves. Because in the long run, they're not going to beat a good defensive team. They're just not going to beat a good defensive team. Um, you have to still teach kids good shot, bad shot, like Omar said. And that gets taken care of two places. Number one, it gets taken care of in practice. And number two, it gets taken care of in film sessions. Um, number three, we don't try to take care of it in games. We may have to say something in a game. Um, we may have to take the kid out and say, hey, 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 you need to back off on this just a little bit. Let the game come to you a little bit more. You're pressing too much. But we try not to say too much. So we try to empower our guys offensively. Um, and I always get a kick out of people, again, saying we're a defensive-minded team when, when, you know, we hold our conference scoring record 113 points in a game and, you know, we've had, you know, we had the second all-time leading now score in 4A large school basketball, I should say, in the history of large school basketball. So, you know, I always tell kids, if you can do something, I'm going to get out of the way. I know Jake Sullivan taught me a lot about basketball. Sometimes he told me being a good coach, no one to shut up and get the hell out of the way. So, um, uh, but that's kind of what we're doing with our, with our offensive part um, and what we're trying to get done uh, with that. Um, and empowering the kids. And the second part of the question you said was the offense that we now run. Um, the offense we now run is um, it's a five out motion. 
Um, and it's got elements of, of uh, five, you know, regular five-volt motion going way back to the old school days. It's got elements that are read and react to it. The read and react is, is, is five-volt five motion. That's all that is. Um, guys, oh, did you see this read and react offense? Well, you know, some, you know, you've probably been doing that for quite a while. You've been running some kind of a motion offense, right? Because you are reading what the defense is doing to you and reacting to what they're doing to you. So, you know, some guy threw a fancy name onto it. But we run a, a, a five-out open look um, that I really like. And what I really like about it is it does two things. It gives kids actions that they're supposed to run that based on what we call but at the same time, gives them an opportunity to read what a defensive player is doing. An example would be is if we're running curl cuts, right? We're screening to run curl cuts. Well, if they jump the top side of the curl, uh, the, the defender jumps the top side of the curl cut, our guy can still back cut that. He's still reading and reacting to what they're doing. So what we got is kind of a, a, a way that we can kind of control a little bit about how the our opponent is defending us by calling out at – by by calling out actions, but at the same time, teaching kids how to read how defenders are, are playing, you know, a certain action. So um, we may say, Hey, we're in sevens right now. And I won't say what that is. And then if they defend it a certain way, Hey, next time down, we're running, we're going to run a 73. Um, and a seven will kind of say, okay, they're defending this action this way. But then after two at, after two sevens, we'll run threes the rest of the time. So we usually catch somebody on the, the three call, um, usually on the first or second repetition. So it's kind of a counter that we do, uh, and we're, we're able to call it on the fly to our kids. Um, and there are nine different actions that we do that we call out that all involve screens and cuts. So um, we really like it because it gives the kids freedom on offense, uh, gives them a chance to not only – you know, we're kind of dictating a little bit what they're doing so they're not standing and watching because one of the biggest things we have a problem we have with now with this ball screen uh, ball screen offense is a lot of guys stand. You got two guys involved in the play and the other guy's spacing up on backside wherever you get a lot of guys that stand. The other thing that we get a, that we have a problem with in today's game, I think, is a lot of one-on-five play. And I'm not saying one-on-one play. One-on-one play, we, just, we encourage. In fact, that's part of what we're doing with our new offense, advantage-disadvantage. When we catch the ball, we're trying to be we're, we're trying to get our kids to read closeouts. Is it too high, too low? You know, is he too late? Is he is he high on his closeout? You know, so we're looking advantage disadvantage. And who do you got on you? Can this guy you can beat? You know that type of stuff. So, um, but a lot of time teams are playing one on five where they're getting into multiple dribbles, and that's just so easy to defend. And then you get kids that stand and watch too much. So I think the two biggest problems we have offensively in today's games are kids standing and watching, um, standing and watching. We're trying to get, uh, trying to get those kids to, to um, you know, do a better job and not stand and watch. And the second, the the second part of it is, you know, kids just not, you know, just not knowing enough actions to do. You know, how do I get myself open? How do I read the screen? How do I, you know, how do I? play if this guy's doing this to me like how do I get myself open for a shot so um this offense that we run I really like it Eric Bronau my assistant uh brought it to me uh we just call it open everybody knows we call it open and all that really means is a five-off motion so coach that's great stuff I mean this is the the best type of interview I've noticed I haven't done a lot of this and I'm not a journalistic uh major by any means I'm a history guy but being able to just ask you a question just let you go with it I mean you have a, a ton of knowledge and I mean, this is a, uh, 
anyone listening, maybe only listen to part two, make sure you listen to part one. Uh, Coach is awesome. And I know Coach is extremely accessible. Like I said, at the open of part one, First time I met coach was up in Grand Rapids. He was, he was running the breakdown event. I was a brand new head coach and I just started BSing with him and I learned a ton and we've bumped every time I bump into you, if it's at state tournament or coaches association, I always feel like we have good conversation. So coach is someone you can really, you can reach out to who's open to share. Uh, and I uh, just really, really appreciate you coming on coach. I have pages worth of notes I've been writing here. Hopefully didn't get picked up in my microphone. Uh, stay safe. Best of luck to you guys. Uh, hopefully we're able to get some sort of summer workout in, but time will tell with that. But you know, stay safe and uh, best of luck to you guys next season. Hey, thanks for doing this, Coach. I really enjoy uh, listening to the other coaches as well. And, you know, again, always get like one nugget from every guy you typically listen to. One thing that uh, you get. And, and if you're getting one thing uh, from somebody uh, in, in, in watching a practice or listening to them talk, then, you've, then you're pretty successful with it. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank you.